0: Thanks for joining us this week on the show for my conversation with Dr. Cindy Tsai, a physician who has evolved from her more formal Western medical training into an integrative practice following her own health experience and journey back to wellness. Now she helps support her patients and coaching clients in recognizing how complete mind-body wellness can support them and even their families. I know you're going to love this conversation. Thanks for listening in. Living in a stressful world doesn't mean you have to give up on happiness. Instead, you can shift your perspective of stress and discover how to live your life in flow. Welcome to Happified. I'm your host, Susie Vine. Join me for inspiration and interviews with folks who are shining their light in the world in the areas of positive mindset, health, and wellness. I'm so happy to have you here. What if you could maximize your meditation practice with a tool that maximizes your time and attention with images and affirmations carefully selected to boost your positivity, to help you integrate your intentions into your subconscious? I have a special gift available for you. Visit HappifiedLife.com and click on the Start Off Happy button to take a look at the phenomenal technology created by Positive Prime that uses neuroplasticity to literally wire your brain for more happiness, higher productivity, better relationships, and greater success. Head over to the HappifiedLife.com page to start off happy with Positive Prime. Enjoy it free for 30 days. Welcome back. I am so happy to have you with us today on the show. I am very excited to have been connected from one of my former guests and now um, sharing some brilliant ideas and talk before this conversation even had a chance to begin with Dr. Cindy Tsai. Dr. Tsai is an award-winning physician, best-selling author, TEDx speaker, mindfulness teacher, and wellness and life coach who's committed to helping high achievers live happier and healthier lives. Dr. Tsai earned her BA and MS degrees from Johns Hopkins University and an MD degree from Dartmouth. So you can see how she can relate to some high achievers, I think. As a leader, physician, and patient herself, Dr. Tsai saw and experienced the impact of chronic disease and stress on the body and was compelled to do more than prescribe medications as a Band-Aid through her own healing journey she explored and trained in a wide range of solution-oriented therapeutic modalities and now emphasizes taking an integrative approach to wellness as author of the best-selling self-help book so much better life-changing strategies to develop calm confidence and curiosity to become an inspiring success story she introduces a radical path to well-being through creating the inspiring success story method dr sai thank you for joining me i'm so happy to have you with me on the show
1: thanks so much for having me susie i'm really excited to be here and i would love to hear a little bit about
0: your own journey as i said um obviously johns hopkins is one of the most highly regarded institutions in terms of study and medical training and so to begin your path there and really have that um, exposure to a lot of other very high achieving, you know, far-reaching um, aspiring doctors in your class, I'm sure, and then to start to experience these kinds of health struggles yourself, I'd love to hear a little bit about your journey. I'm sure it's not a short story; artists never are. But how this changed your perspective and really broadened your view as to what care really means for patients.
1: Absolutely. So. I want you to imagine waking up one day and not being able to see. This is what happened to me. And to go from healthy to sick overnight was a total wake up call. And ever since I was young, I've been very health conscious. I would do things like drink water instead of juice or soda. Yes. Even as a kid, (laughs) I wanted to become a physician to help others be healthy. Because I really think we don't have anything without our health, right? And so I worked really hard. I was focused on studying, going to the top schools, getting the best training and all the things and um, worked really hard. And I'm grateful to have all all the experience and and knowledge and things like that. But I think along the way, of course, with all the stress and schedules and, and just all of that, it's, it wasn't sustainable, right? I wasn't taking good care of myself. And, and I think that when I got sick myself, I was forced to slow down and listen to my body and really seeing that our body has its own intelligence and we need to pay attention to these messages. And so I started my journey and really decided to explore all the possibilities. I was diagnosed with this rare autoimmune condition impacting my eyes that could have led to full blindness. And I started treatment right away with immunosuppressants, like steroids, you know, things like that. And my vision did recover, start to recover. But I knew that the underlying problem was still there, that there was still inflammation and, you know, things like that. And I wanted to really get better and not have to take medications for the rest of my life if I could help it. So it really was, I think my own journey of learning to become my own best health advocate, giving myself permission to explore all the possibilities to get better and came across the field of integrated medicine, which is a field of medicine that incorporates many healing modalities, Western, Eastern, traditional, complementary, alternative Um, Giving you so many options to attain your best state of health and also learned, trained in many other modalities from mindfulness, coaching, um, various types of energy healing modalities, things like that. And really recognizing that it's not one size fits all. There are so many options out there and we really need to take that integrative personalized approach so that we can be well.
0: Absolutely and what an amazing um, wake-up call to experience and I've heard in so many different stories you know sometimes we have warning signs along the way um, but we tend to just kind of brush them aside you know maybe headaches the trouble with sleeping digestion stress manifests in so many different ways and and I like to say you know the body starts asking for help and when we don't listen to it it starts issuing demands right and then that recovery is is a completely different animal i mean to suddenly you know be concerned i'm sure for the future of your career initially and then what does this mean like you already said you know is this a lifetime of management and medications and i do see a lot of people struggle with the um, holistic health model with integrative health because we're such an quick fix society we want the silver bullet solution just tell me what i need to do doc and Mm -hmm. i can get back to business as usual big air quotes on business as usual (laughs) and so um i think it's you know definitely that kind of mixed blessing to have this awareness brought to you it seems pretty early on in your career do you've been practicing for a couple of years at this point before this experience Mm
1: -hmm. yeah i was um towards the end of my medical training yeah Mm -hmm. Oh, my gosh. So you've made it through this, all of this study, all of this
0: commitment, (laughs) put life on hold while you dig into these really intensive studies. And I've heard doctors say, too, you know, it's it's kind of like stress is baked into the training formula, if you will, because it's going to be a stressful career. And it's almost like a trial by fire, which seems really overwhelming and difficult you know, to face as a prospective doctor to think I have to survive this and then what do I have to look forward
1: to? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I think what would be helpful is really learning a lot of these techniques and coping skills along the way, right? And I think in my own journey, how I came to coaching was because I kept hearing about coaching and everyone was like, oh, it's amazing. I'm a totally different person. And I was like, you know, of course you're like, well, really like, um, and so, um, but I think it, you know, now that I've gone through all the training, been a coach, myself coached so many people and seeing their transformations, it really is powerful when you have different tools and techniques and resources in your toolbox. And I think with medical training and really any type of training and you know career where it's very intense and and all of that I think we really need to take a look at how we're approaching our education and just how we're supporting people as they go through this process and knowing and just having these conversations that it's it's not normal, right? To be working till 11 p.m. Like that's not okay, right? I mean, sure, you can push through, you can have that third cup of coffee to stay alert, but you're the body. It's it's not sustainable. And to your point that we get little warning signs, absolutely we do. But I think because We oftentimes are so focused on the goal, the achievement, all the things, we just wave it off, we dismiss it, we ignore it, and then these messages get louder and louder. And I like to always give the analogy of imagine having a beach ball and you're in a pool and you're trying to submerge the beach ball, right? And you're like pushing down on the beach ball so that it'll stay underwater, At some point, your arms are probably going to get tired Mm -hmm. and you're going to have to like, you know, relax and and just like do a quick stretch. And at that point, that beach ball is going to come up, right? Just burst up from the surface underwater, even stronger than before. And that's the same thing that happens when we're ignoring, you know, the messages that our body's sending us when we're not taking care of ourselves along the way. And really being present and mindful of what's going on.
0: Yes, absolutely, and it's it's really fascinating. I love I love that analogy. Um, how much energy we can put to trying to avoid put off solutions because we think that the solution will be difficult or unpleasant. You know, we don't want to commit to lifestyle change. Gasp. <laughs> <laughs> But you've mentioned mindfulness a couple of times and I think it's really powerful and sometimes people hear that. They think meditation, they think I can't sit still, who has time? What's, yeah. What have you got next for me, Doc? So how did you see this start to help you shift your perspective or how, how to support you?
1: Yeah, so mindfulness I see as this process of paying attention to the present moment without judgment and it sounds simple but if you really break it down right it's it's a couple pieces so paying attention meaning you're actively directing your focus the present moment me remembering that life is happening right now so not in the past or the future um so a lot of times for example when people are maybe replaying conversations they had in the past or worrying about the future Like they might think they're thinking and being, you know, in the moment, but they're actually not because they're already thinking about the past or the future. So that's what I see present moment as. And then without judgment is where you're really observing and experiencing this reality without determining if it's good or bad. And I think that is so much easier said than done. (laughs) You know, we, we like to put our own filter and lens on things. And so really mindfulness is about this. It's this active process. And I like to explain it in this way, because to your point, a lot of times people think about meditation when they think about mindfulness. And I always like to say that meditation is a type of mindfulness practice but it's not what mindfulness It's It doesn't encompass, you know, all of mindfulness, right? Because you can be mindful doing anything. You can be mindful breathing, walking, eating, even taking a shower or doing the dishes. <laughs> it's just about really being present and experiencing that moment. Um, so while meditation is, of course, a really helpful practice especially for um calming the mind it's it's not what mindfulness is all about and it's also meditation i think sometimes people have this sense that when you're meditating your brain goes blank and so for the people who are you know constantly going and and have a busy mind they try to sit and they're like oh my gosh i can't do this like i suck i'm not gonna meditate right like (laughs) not for me Um, and I always like to clarify that meditation is not about not having thoughts because we're human brain, we're human beings with a very active human brain. And so thoughts come and go and meditation is about just being in that present moment and being able to pay attention to those thoughts, right? Recognizing these thoughts are coming up. And I like to say that, think about it as, think about the thoughts like clouds in a sky, right? They're kind of drifting in and out and they can just be there. You don't have to do anything about it. And so I would say that's a practice of, of meditation. Um, there are so many types, of course, but um wanted to clarify, right, that meditation is not all mindfulness and that you can be mindful doing anything.
0: Yeah, terrific. And I think that really helps too. And I love that analogy of, you know, thinking, letting your thoughts pass by You know, regard them as clouds, right? We don't have to take action on every thought that comes to our mind and starting to get that. I don't know that distance is quite the right word, but just recognizing that, you know, separation to a point is really powerful. Lovely. And hopefully that will inspire some people to take a look at, right? their next walk outside doing the dishes that's one of the things too my husband (laughs) likes to have music on and keep things going and i do the dishes and i like to actually you know sometimes there's a podcast that i like to listen to but just having no input for a little bit can be a really nice respite driving in the car without turning the radio on and being present
1: yeah and i think what is interesting and and helpful to think about is that this is a skill and it's a practice and depending on where you are right the your experiences up until this point in life it may feel really challenging or impossible to be present to not judge and all these things but i think it's really important to give yourself permission to explore and to be curious to be like oh what if I just sat here and really felt my feet on the ground, you know, like really exercises and ways to get you back into your body. And that's that's this process of paying attention to the messages in your body, right? So often we don't even know um, where, where we hold stress in the body until it's like really chronic, a ton of pain. And then we're forced to, to pay attention but we get messages constantly right and if we're able to really listen to these messages and use it as information to make a decision about your self-care your health routines mm-hmm. that i think is really powerful because it's like you're able to course correct in the moment right so that you're you're always kind of on track and taking good care of yourself and and keeping your energy at a good level and and feeling good
0: yes and that awareness is so helpful as as we've already said you know to notice things shifting before it becomes a crisis situation that requires a lot more intervention and support (laughs) to come through yeah and and i love how as you describe this awareness and presence with yourself you know and being kind to yourself you know i think that um self-compassion is a really important aspect of tuning in and recognizing what we need you know just acknowledging the fact that we have needs we don't have to ignore them or put other people first we have a lot more of ourselves to give if we take care of those needs so how do you how do you see that supporting people and if that's something that feels distant you know this self-compassion piece Mm -hmm. um, how do you support people in kind of cultivating that
1: Yeah, I'm so glad you brought this up because, especially with a lot of high achievers, perfectionists, right? Like, we're—I say this because I'm very much one, right? For most of my life, I was—I mean, I was voted biggest perfectionist in my high school.
0: (laughs) Card-carrying member. That's official. (laughs)
1: Um. So, so when I first learned about this concept of self-compassion, I was like, "What are you talking about? What is this idea?" Right, and it's basically. Um it's it's this skill also and practice of really extending warmth and kindness to yourself so that you can feel better. And it's learning how to be kind to yourself and, and like being your own best friend. And I think it's so important because so often we have these expectations and we want things to go a certain way. And when things don't work out, which they, you know, sometimes don't, <laughs> that's life. Um, you know, we, we tend to get into this downward spiral, you know, whether it be shame, guilt, and all of these all-consuming feelings. And a lot of times it just keeps us stuck in that negative low state. And why self-compassion is helpful is because it helps us to get past these challenges right? With openness, with kindness, with support, and really helps to build resilience. And I like to break it down to three components using researcher Kristen Neff's framework. So she talks about three components of self-compassion would be number one, mindfulness. Number two is common humanity, or the idea that you're not alone, we're all human. And number three is this idea of being kind to yourself. Um, with self-kindness. And so if you really think about it, like mindfulness, right? Paying attention on purpose, being in the present moment. I start with this because when you're having a challenging time, um, it's important to be aware, right? That you're going through something challenging. <laughs> like we, ha- we can't change what we don't know. And so we have to first notice and be open to it and then recognize it, right? and it doesn't take long if you think about like if you put your hand on a hot stove right and you feel the pain what do you do like you withdraw your hand right away right it's not like you keep your hand there for three more hours to feel more pain and so the same thing like mindfulness people may sometimes think it takes it's a long process or it's you know too right? Like it's too slow. And so, but it really doesn't take long, right? You just have to be in the moment to be like, oh, having a hard time. And then common humanity. The second part is really remembering that we're all human and that we go through life and it's messy. It's tough. It's not perfect. Um, You know, there are highs and there are lows. I find that a lot of times when we're having a hard time, the brain goes into panic mode. And then we lose our rational mind. We think that we're the only ones struggling and something's terribly wrong. And so it's really important to really reset and, and remind yourself of the perspective that you're not alone, right? And then self-kindness is about being kind to yourself. And I think a lot of times people may think about kindness as this like more passive thing that happens. And um, I I encourage people to see kindness as an active thing that you can do, right? Think about what would feel good to you. And I think in the beginning, especially if you've never really been um, kind of building this relationship with yourself, it can feel really awkward to be nice to yourself, right? Or feel like you're being too easy or whatever. So I would say, think about a friend or a loved one who was going through a tough time, right? What would you say or offer to them? and just turn that around to yourself and offer it to yourself and really put your own needs in mind. And so I think that, you know, it's a really simple framework to break down self-compassion and knowing that it has different components, but it's a practice and a skill. And, you know, I, I think that I've seen self-compassion. There's a ton of research about how it actually really helps with, you know, um, your overall well-being, your mental health, um, coping, resiliency, you know, all these things. And just knowing that um, you can take care of yourself, right? You can get through things and that, um, you know, you deserve to to feel good. Like it's not, you know, you don't have to, it's not like this, uh, what's the phrase I'm looking for? It's, it's like, you know, there's no prize for most suffering. Okay. (laughs) right.
0: We don't need more martyrs in the
1: world. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I really love that. There's some really powerful points in that. And I think just like you said, you know, and if practicing self-compassion or kindness towards yourself feels out of reach, thinking about, you know, putting the frame on how would you take care of a dear friend, a loved one if they're in a situation where they need support, you know, just get objective for a little minute. Take yourself out of the picture if you have to, if this is such a leap, and then give yourself some of that because, of course, we deserve what we're willing to give to other people. And um, so sometimes kind of changing the frame on that is really helpful because I do think and um, I like to explore you know where where we go where we let this inner critic or inner gremlin take us that pushes us to do more and be more and you know reach the accolades and when we can get behind that inner critical voice and start cultivating this compassion and And you were talking about, you know, it it feels like giving ourselves grace, recognizing we're not going to be perfect and perform flawlessly every time. And that's part of the learning and getting stronger. You know, resilience doesn't come from a completely Zen lifestyle where we're never harmed or hindered, you know, we, we build these muscles. And so I love that the way that you describe that and kind of really round out this picture of self-compassion, it is so. So supportive and and I think, too, um, with the awareness that we have, I'm a nurse's daughter, so I grew up pretty well acquainted with the medical profession and how it can weigh on our providers. Um, The way that, you know, in a lot of in a lot of ways, our Western lifestyle, we we reward stress, you know, we wear stress as a badge of honor. And if we start changing these cycles and our children grow up watching us practice self-compassion and you know, t- taking, our, taking care of ourselves, we can really change trajectory powerfully, I think. I think we're, we're really turning the tide on a lot of generational patterns with the awareness, as you said, from coaching, from having this outside perspective, reflecting back on us, people cheering us on, you know, because we don't always, you know, collect those cheerleaders the way that I think we could. So that's really lovely. Thank you for that. And I hope that lands with some people there, you know, hmm, maybe I could take a little moment and try out this self compassion. And as you mentioned, too, you know, there is the um, loving kindness meta meditation. So that's another form, if you're interested mm-hmm. in, in exploring some new aspects of this mindfulness practice, a beautiful one.
1: Yeah, and I think that what's interesting, I've noticed is that as as I've really embraced the practice of self compassion, I feel like this compassion very organically extends outward too, even more than before, you know, I think before, of course, being very caring and empathetic and all these things. But I think as I have really become more um, kind to myself and more compassionate, it's really created this ripple effect. And I think it's because a lot of times. I think high achievers, we're often very hard on ourselves and also other people. And when you're able to offer yourself that compassion, you are able to do the same to others too. And so it's it's really all connected. I think when you do the inner work, when you take the time to really reconnect with yourself, right, to take care of yourself, it really fills you up in a good way. And it allows you to show up as the best version of yourself, right? You have more to give and people will, you know, people will see the the changes that, you know, you've gone through. And um, I think you really, it's important, especially for leaders, right? People who have um, teams and, and things like that. I mean, I think everyone's a leader in every, and you know, there's so many areas of life where you can be a leader, not just professionally. Um, But I think that it's so important to lead by example, to really do it yourself. And that's the most powerful way for behavior change, right? It's like, you don't, you want to practice what you preach and actually and when you see and feel the benefits, I think it comes a lot easier too. So um, just really remembering that you can make it your own, but really being open to trying it out.
0: Yeah, beautiful. And I think, just as you said, um, it, it becomes a little easier with practice. So if at first this feels <laughs> like a ruse, <laughs> I'm practicing this compassion thing and I'm not sure why I need to do one more thing, um, you know go on faith and, and start to recognize, you know, those little glimmers of benefits Though you'll start to see more and more of those. And and you mentioned too taking care of yourself. So we've talked about some different concepts, mindfulness, self-compassion, it feels like life is already really demanding and hectic, and we've got enough on our plate. And so when it comes to taking care of ourselves, self-care, quotes on that, you know, has become a little bit triggered, right? It's become a bit of a marketing ploy and people are, you know, think they don't have time for it or they've got too much to do. It doesn't matter. I like to think, you know, some of those stubborn folks that I talk to, right, it's not broken yet. I don't have to fix it. So how do you help people recognize the benefits so that they can start to actually cultivate this self-care practice? How do you help people start to see, okay, I can... I can keep this putting myself first thing going. (laughs)
1: Yeah, so I see self-care as taking care of and nourishing all parts of your mind, body, and spirit so that you can live with ease, feel, and be your best. And so it really is a very individual journey and process. And I think a lot of times we've, equated self-care with going to the you know going to a spa getting that massage all these things and yes absolutely those are great and 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 helpful but I think it's also little moments in your day that you can do and incorporate to help you take better care of yourself to help you feel better simple things like, Taking a few breaths in between meetings, right? Like I work with a lot of leaders who are, who have meetings back to back. They barely have enough time to go to the bathroom and like all these things, right? And it's like, pause. Like even just one of my favorite breathing techniques is the cleansing breath, right? Where you take an inhale through the nose and then you exhale through an open mouth sigh. (gasps) just releasing any stress or tension you're holding on to. And that t- took like two seconds, right? So I think it's just trying different things out and really checking in with yourself, getting back to that awareness piece of, oh, I feel better. I feel calmer after that simple breath, right? It's nice to do a quick stretch from just by standing up, you know, rolling the shoulders, the neck out, right? And it's, what it is, is I, I like to think of it as you're building these habits, right? And so in order to really integrate these habits, you want to check in and just give your brain that positive reinforcement to be like, oh yeah, I do feel a bit better, right? Versus, or maybe a lot of times I find that we go through a whole entire day's not checking in with ourselves and then it's like 8 p.m. and you're exhausted and you're like the only thing you want to do is like eat cookies or like scroll on your phone right like I think that like we've all gone through that and so it's how do you take care of yourself throughout the day so that it's not like your gas tank is already past empty right because that's the surest way to burn out right like we're not I mean, we, I think, especially when we're younger, we think that we're invincible, right? It can go on forever and ever, but we're, um, it's not sustainable, right? Like I really encourage people to think about the body as this machine, right? And we need to take care of it. And, you know, think about your car, right? You need to go get the oil change and all these things you get and you fill it up with gas or, you know, charge it up, whatever. And so, um, so, yeah, there. I would say that self-care is is really looking at the whole picture and there's no one way to do it. And, you know, there's, of course, some people who love running and exercise and that's great. And some people who hate exercise and whatever. And I think it's, it, it's just interesting to realize that, in different parts um as you go through life different stages different things are probably going to resonate and work with you and that's fine <laughs> right it's giving yourself permission to be like oh my gosh i used to love going to run and like going to the gym and crossfit and whatever and then now i just want to do yoga <laughs> and so it's just You know, life ebbs and flows, like really being open and curious. And again, it's that self compassion piece, right? It's listening to your body, it's being present, it's understanding, like, hey, I'm gonna make it my own, I'm gonna take care of me. Yeah.
0: Yeah, so important. And you mentioned earlier tools for the toolkit. And I think that, you know, different aspects of self care can certainly be like that. There are times at which different things are gonna serve you. And I love that description, too, you know, if if you used to be very active in like the very challenging physical activity and now suddenly you just want to lay on a yoga mat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's where your body is. That's the restoration yeah. that you need. Um, yeah. So if the running doesn't appeal, don't say, OK, I'm not I'm not working out. Nothing is going to work for me today. But curiosity is huge. I think that's such a powerful. Um, resource that we have at our disposal as kids we love curiosity we love to ask why and what and as adults we get into these lanes we do really become creatures of habit and so to get curious again what would I love to do how would I like to move my body right now after I've been sitting in front of this computer all day holding my breath I'm glad you keep coming back to um, recognizing our breath checking in with our body because these little things we do. I mean, I've, I've seen that you know they find in research, we hold our breath when we're reading emails. So how much of the day are we staring at a screen completely not present in our body, not connecting with how our feet feel on the floor? So that's a 15 second check-in. How do my feet feel? Move those around a little bit. So beautiful. I think that the, that really helps when people hear different ways that self-care can be more doable and relevant. And it doesn't have to look like what other people say is self-care a day at the spa. I can never do that. So that's not for me. Yeah. In its entirety.
1: (laughs) And I also think it's really interesting to just think about that. Yes, it's nice to go on vacation, right? And feel relaxed and all these things, right? But it's another to be able to handle your day-to-day when you're in real life. And so I think that's why it's so important to have these tools and practices and techniques and to really work on yourself, right? So that you do have this toolbox that's accessible to you for you to turn to because you're not going to be able to just like go sit on a mountaintop for 10 days, right? (laughs) Do a silent retreat, right? It's important to be able to, manage your stress in your day-to-day and you know and and to really build that resiliency and be able to cope and be able to get past it and to really show up as the best version of yourself right i think a lot of what we talk about and believe in is really making it simple and practical right so that you don't have to like go right like Count down the days to your vacation to like get away, right? It's about just being in the moment, making it work for you and knowing that it can work, right? You can figure out a way, a plan that's very specific to you so that you can be well.
0: Yes, yes, that customization. And um, so that leads me to, we were discussing earlier, you know, you've evolved from your more classical medical training to really embrace the integrative approach. And I think this is so exciting in medicine. It really offers some profound opportunity, right? We've kind of become compartmentalized in how we receive medical care. And now this total picture is possible. As we dig a little deeper, we bring our curiosity back to the table and use data tests and assessments to really... So I'd love to hear a little bit about where you think um, Integrative medicine kind of moves the needle, how you think this supports people and really makes it more personalized for what they need?
1: Yeah, so I think that there are, I always say that everyone, everybody is different. So the things you need are different, right? And we can't take this one size fits all approach. In um, the same token, it's, it's also, Um, Not either or, right? We oftentimes, I think there are people who have polarized views about medicine. It's like, you know, they believe in Western medicine and dismiss all other modalities um, versus there are others, on the other hand, who only believe, who dismiss Western medicine and only believe in alternative therapies. And I think it's really interesting to just think about, like, what if we don't need to choose? (laughs) Right. What if we can take the best of all worlds and really integrate them into what works best for you? And I think with um, in terms of health and wellness, it's really important to work with uh, people, a team that you feel really comfortable with, people who truly listen, people who really want to focus on getting to the root cause. And I think that, yes, we're oftentimes conditioned to look for that quick fix, to reach for that quick fix, which, you know, absolutely, especially in acute, urgent situations, you want that quick fix, right? You want that Band-Aid. You don't want to get, you know, worse or, or you know, you want to be stabilized. We're, as humans, we're, con- we want to, we're focused on survival and being comfortable. <laughs> um, but I think that, and it's not that I'm against Band-Aids or medications, but it's about really, you know, realizing that there are other options, right? If you want to have a more long-term sustained option for wellness and, and you know, like not having to take medications or, you know, if if exercising a couple times a week would really like, that's all, that's what you need to do to not have to take a pill, like, would you do it? I mean, I think some people would, some people wouldn't, and that's okay. <laughs> just you know that's reality. Um but I think that it's it's available to those who are interested in exploring. And I I always like to say that we are all on our own journeys. And you know one thing works for one person and may not work for the other because we're all built unique, built with our own individual blueprints. And so I think that for people who maybe have health challenges that have been resistant to treatments they've tried so far. Um it might be interesting to explore integrative medicine, to look into functional medicine working with different types of practitioners and and seeing realizing especially integrated medicine that um there's a lot more science and research behind these techniques, modalities and which is really encouraging i think a lot of times in the past it was more anecdotal but i think the scientific community is really recognizing that you know it it, the fact of the matter is that science in terms of having data and research does help right for for some people to really be able to see that perspective so i do think it's helpful to to have studies um but it's also i think for me just you know everyone's different and if you're willing and be if you're open to exploring you might surprise yourself right you might find something that really works well for you and i think mean, at the end of the day that's what's most important right like what works for you so that you can feel good and you can be well
0: <laughs> yes so i i love that and i think it's so important for people to recognize that because as as you said we're not all the same. Everyone is unique and different things support us. We go out of balance in different ways. And as we become aware of, for example, a constitutional type in Ayurveda, that might give us some insights, you know, um, uh, some guidelines, but we're still gonna be completely unique in the way that we respond. And so some super sleuthery is gonna be a part of that and having curiosity. And you mentioned too, having a team that you can communicate with. I think it's so important to, really feel heard by your doctors and your medical providers. And a lot of times we feel like we have limited options you know, or it's hard to navigate or advocate for ourselves in that system. So I'm definitely a big fan of of doing what we need to do. It takes a little extra work on the front end sometimes to find a provider that you feel recognized by, but it's so worth it in the end because when you do need the team to come together to resolve something, that's not the point that you know, you want to be already right. feeling trapped in this mm-hmm. relationship here. <laughs> yeah. yeah, totally. And so, so thank you for that. I think it's really empowering to see how we can look at different modalities. And I love um, because I did kind of change focus and come into holistic health later in my life. It was so interesting to me to see how the science had changed in 20 years and i think in a good part of it's because we're finding ways to quantify in science what we could not before so now we can demonstrate the effectiveness of some of these modalities whereas before it was kind of i don't know why it works but we've done it for thousands of years so you know why Mm -hmm. not try it now Mm -hmm. we can say no it's proven to manage pain it's proven to you know balance these conditions and so it's really exciting to be at this point where we are access to whole new insights coming forward.
1: For sure, yeah. And I think also, especially with um, technology and I think the next area is really integrating like genomics and epigenetics and all those things to really create and craft out this path towards personalized medicine, right? Like there are medications that work for some and don't work for others. And it may be because you have certain gene you know inclinations and expressions and whatever and so that's okay but again it's it's important it's helpful to have data and information but you also um want to have that team that provider who really you connect with who understands and who can really support and guide you through so that you can take care of yourself and be well
0: yes yes and so as you can see from our conversation with Dr. Tsai, these providers are becoming more available, and I'm always so excited to connect with folks who are doing their work and, you know, staying open. You know, bringing more, as has been kind of a theme for our conversation, tools into the toolbox. You know, this one course that we've been on, but wait, there can be more, and how can this serve and support? and and really lift everybody up together. So thank you. I'm so excited to share this conversation and I would love to let people know how to get in touch with you. So how can people stay connected? And we'll have links in the show notes, but just in case they're listening or on the go.
1: Yes, definitely. So people are welcome to reach me through my website at com. and I'm available on all the social media platforms with the handle at cindysimd, C-I-N-D-Y-T-S-A-I-M-D. i share a lot of content on social media on youtube and things like that and of course feel free to check out my best-selling book it's called so much better uh life-changing strategies to develop calm confidence and curiosity to become your own inspiring success story it's available online amazon barnes and nobles um and i'm just you know really excited and happy to be able to share this with others i think that it's it's important to recognize that there are options and that you don't have to feel stuck and like, you know, alone in all of this.
0: Yes, so true. So important um, to get these sparks of inspiration to plant these seeds and and empower ourselves with options and alternatives and with advocates where we need to find them. So I'm so excited for what you're putting together. And at the time that we're recording this, your TED talk is not yet available. But we'll be sure to add (laughs) that link when it is so so excited to see the different messages because just as your work is integrative, the different aspects that you're bringing to light and making available are so supportive. So I love what you're putting together in the world. Thank you for carving out a little time to
1: join me on the show. Thank you so much for having me, Susie. This was lovely. Have
0: a wonderful day. Take good care.
1: Thanks for joining us today.
0: To learn more about living life with less stress and more flow, visit HappifiedLife.com. Subscribe on your favorite player to catch the next episode as soon as it's out. Sharing really is caring. So please rate and review the show while you're there. And if you know someone else who would love it, please pass it along. Until next time, my friends, keep on shining.